Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Spree. How's it going, y'all? What have you been up to? Uh, so, I watched the second episode of The Staircase. Okay. The dramatized version. Uh, I have I have a couple thoughts. Okay. Number one, I can't get over Colin Farrell being... What was his name? Michael Peterson? Yeah. I don't really like it. Be- <laughs> I don't think it's good. Ca- I think he looks like him, but unfortunately, I think Colin Farrell has Colin been Firth. typecast. Colin Farrell, yeah. sorry. Has been typecast into like a British romance story. Yeah. So, like, every time I'm looking at him, I'm like expecting him to have an, ans- an accent. Yeah. And every time um, he does something creepy, I'm like... Like when he's in the sauna, like, I'm like, stop! Like, I can't suspend my disbelief for him. The rest of the family, I really like, but yeah, I thought everybody else, even uh, the Schwarzenegger kid, um, Sophie Turner, like I, I felt they were all. I didn't even recognize Sophie Turner. I had to like somebody else told me that it was her, and I was like, oh shit! I didn't even. It didn't click in my mind for some reason. Really, that was the first thing. As soon as she came on screen. Rob and I were both like, is that Sophie Turner? But it almost, it doesn't look like her, but it looks enough like her to be like, "Yeah, is that Sophie Turner? Um, but yeah, I thought the kids were well cast. I thought Tony Collette was well cast. Um, I'm having a hard time with her too, though. Because when I see her, I think about like Hereditary. Yeah. I, I don't know, because... I think it's a really good show, and I'm definitely going to keep watching it. I'm yeah. not caught up, but I those are just the two things that I'm like, I can't, like, really, like, I'm focusing, but I'm, like, in the back of my mind, like, you're supposed to be in Bridget Jones' diary. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to me. But I will say I really like it. I think they're doing a really good job at, like, building up the suspense for each episode. Agreed. And one thing I will um, say is... I normally hate reenactments because I think they're really cheesy and they're usually like not super well done, just in all honesty. The scene where they recreate the fall was... And they make it seem like an accident? Yeah, like they make it appear the way... So basically, if you haven't seen it, it's like the defense has this... Uh, like their case is basically like how she fell and how she did it naturally she fell twice yeah she fell twice and hit her or she fell hit her head blah 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 and this is how like the blood gets on her feet blah blah blah. and they reenact that and it like they did it really really well i felt like like almost a believable way and it wasn't like this cheesy reenactment and they didn't like cut the camera so that it was in black and then you come back and you just have to accept the fact that she was in A position, now she's in B position, you just have to fill in the blanks. Like, I, I thought they did a they, really good job. I really did. I liked that, the end of that episode, because didn't they do it more for, like, the the fundraiser, too? Where, like, simultaneously, like, it's in the future and also in the past. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I feel like that whole episode, they were doing it. Like, one scene would be, like, it cut, They're yeah. in the dining room. But it wasn't even cutting it. It's just like now this character is walking through the room and then you turn around and the background's like transformed. Yeah. They did a good job with that. Scene, I, I do like that a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't mind dramatizations the way that you don't like them. Like they don't really bother me. Yeah. 
Uh, it's really just Colin Firth. I yeah, I have a hard time. I'm, I'm like, but he looks like him. He does, but just the whole time I'm like, stop being creepy. Like you're gross, and it just bothers me so much. The sauna scene was gross. I know. I didn't like it at all. Also, I think what I don't like about him is when he, when his character talks, he doesn't have any emotion. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's a really good point. In the sauna scene, in the sauna scene is a perfect example because they're sitting across from each other and the guy's like, what do you do around here for fun? And he's like, you know, this and that. And like the way that he said it, I was like, what? Yeah. Like it, it wasn't, it was, it made it almost more gross. Yeah. That's a really great way of saying it. I wouldn't have noticed that before. But maybe he does that for a reason to, to like play on, you don't know if he's innocent or if he's guilty, you know, like he's playing the same side. He could go either way. What do you think? Like I, I have my opinion, but what's your opinion? Do I think the real dude's guilty? Hell yeah. Absolutely. Guilty of sin. I I understand that and I I agree but this show would make me second guess it because of that scene where they're talk like when they're describing how she fell twice. I mean, yeah. Like but it does make sense. That's the best argument I've seen like having that actual reenactment but I just feel like there's a lot of other things leading up to it. That and another thing I will say is if you're running for public office, you're probably not going to murder your wife. Even if you're going to stage it to be an accident, like, that's just a lot of negative press. Yeah, because everybody's going to for even if you really, truly didn't do it, like, unless your wife dies in, like, a tragic accident, people are automatically going to assume that you're the killer. Well, I think like, even if she... If had she died in, like, a car accident. I think even if she genuinely died people... in, like, a car accident, I just think it's a lot of bad... It's, like... It's sad press. On, like, if she yeah. died of cancer suddenly, like, that's sad press. It's not necessarily good. And you want and people, people to equate happy to emotions to you. you. That's the thing. People are going to be very quick to judge how you react to the death. Yeah. It's not even the death itself. It's how you're handling it. I feel like if anything were to actually happen to Rob, like, everybody would immediately assume that I'm guilty of it because I would not, I wouldn't know how to act in this situation and I feel like I would be thinking of how to act, mainly because I listen to so much true crime and I'm always like, how's the husband reacting? You know, what are they doing? What are they saying? And I feel like I would do that and the whole time I'm like, I have to act. You know, like when you're a kid and you're trying to like, sound like you're telling or like you know that what you're saying is going to sound like a lie so you have to like try to convince them that it's not it, yeah. yeah i feel like that's what it would be like or maybe and i would you, just but be you say shock. more information like you give more information than you're being asked like if you yeah. were like what'd you do last night oh nothing i wasn't doing anything i went to bed at 10 p.m and it's like i didn't ask you yeah that. i don't care what you do. i would be a terrible witness on stand i would totally i could be innocent as all get out and i would sing myself to prison easily i would just give too much i would argue myself into prison i mean that's what happened to those those the west memphis three yeah well i mean a lot of what happened but additionally but i mean it's because they were like oh this couldn't happen to me and then they fucking talked themselves into a corner yeah 
Oh, man. Ugh. Did you ever watch that, Paradise Lost? Mm-mm. It's... I mean, I've just read about the it's case. It's intense. Is, is that it what the name of the... So, was it a miniseries or a documentary? I think it's a three-part documentary, but each part is, like, movie length. Oh, okay. But they show, like, crime scene footage from when they found those little boys. Aww. Like, it's literally, like, the police, like, video camera. It's intense. It's very well produced. Yeah. Uh, but it's, don't watch it if you, like, can't handle that stuff. Oh, that would be really hard. I feel it, like I, w- I could also I be convinced that I like committed that. a murder. I don't, I wouldn't. I feel like I could be. I'm argumentative. <laughs> well, I just feel like I would say, like, if you asked me what I did yesterday... I'm actually genuinely trying to think what I did yesterday. Like, Rob and I went to the grocery store. We came home. I worked on my story. I went outside and read for a little bit. Rob took a nap. We went and got dinner. And then we came home and we watched Stranger Things. But if you were to say... And if I were to say, like, Rob took a 40-minute nap and you were like, are you sure he didn't take a two-hour nap? I would be like, no, I'm I'm pretty sure it was a 40-minute nap, but... I don't know. Why are you asking? Like, was it two hours? Do I have my yeah. time wrong? Like, maybe I looked at the clock and... Cr- like, I would talk myself into the... Or I would talk myself out of believing myself. I I don't think I would be like that. I'm very sure of, like... I might not remember a lot of shit, but I know when I remember things. Like, that's exactly how it happened. Mm. That was the whole thing I kept thinking of uh, listening to Serial, is... I would be the worst witness because I would have no oh, idea yeah. what I did. Especially if you asked me what did I did, like, did? two years later, what did you do on this random, like, Tuesday night in high school? I'd be like, I could not tell you. I don't even know who I, I was, like, dating did. at this time. I could have been dating this person. I could have not have been. Like, and part of me thinks, like, the shock of an incident would sort of jog my, like, it would lock into my memory that way. But I don't genuinely know that for a fact. I feel like I'd be too wishy-washy. Yeah. Do you think he did it? I go back and forth a lot. I mean, I can, I definitively believe that he did not get a fair trial. I can say that for sure. But I just, I genuinely go back and forth a lot. I think by the end of the podcast, I believed he was innocent. But then the more I read about it, I believed he was guilty. But then actually Crime Junkie did a serial like edition episode. And she just talked about a lot of evidence that wasn't presented during the the actual like serial podcast. Um, yeah. And that sort of convinced me that he didn't do it. But either way, I definitely mm-hmm. think he did not get a fair trial. I would agree. I go back and forth. I don't know if he did it or not. I really want to believe that he didn't because, and I know that people who really are guilty do this all the time, but like, why is he still to this day? fighting so hard to prove his innocence. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know, like, people like people who really do commit crimes, like, do that, but there's something about him that I'm, like, he he's trying hard, harder than he needs to if he's truly guilty. Yeah, and I remember there's this one scene where the... Like, the host of Serial sits down and talks to him in prison. Sorry, my sister's texting me. And sits down and talks to him at the prison. And she's like, 
I believe that you didn't do it. And he's like, um, or no, she's like, you're just such a good person or something like that. And he's like, I don't care if you think I'm a good person. I would rather you believe I'm a terrible person, but that I'm innocent than you believe I'm a good person and that I'm guilty. Like, I just want to be out. And that really stuck with me. That makes me think that he didn't do it. I know. But, like, every criminal... Ted Bundy went down, like, to the very end, swearing up and down that he was innocent. Uh, Maybe we should do, like, a joint episode on that. Maybe. We should, like, flip... Maybe our, like, 20th episode. One day we should flip a coin and be like, you have to argue this side of the case. And we should do that Ooh, with John Benet. We should totally like one person has to like say it was Burke Ooh, and the other person has to say it was Patty. One. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, yeah, we're we're, we're discussing business ventures on air. Oh my gosh. Okay, do we want to get into that's some good. like actual murder that murder. we researched? Yeah. Speaking of Ted Bundy, he's a part of my story. Is he really? Which is so funny because I can't stand Ted Bundy. I know. You're always like, you uh, can't do Ted Bundy and you can't do Charles Manson. And I'm like, okay, sold. I don't care about them. They bore the fuck out of me. They're so annoying. Peaches, come on. Um, they're annoying because who cares? They're just too sensationalized. I do genuinely, yes. not like I enjoy the stories, but I am fascinated by the actual stories. But I'm like, can we quit talking about them? Granted, I have a very famous and notorious serial killer for mine but so i don't know if you guys all remember but for my birthday my sister got me a map of all the serial killers in the united states yeah oh serial killers is our theme this episode by the way oh yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) this week we're doing serial killers we figure we'd uh we'd go old-fashioned you know know. what episode is this This is our 13th episode lucky 13 (gasps) Ooh, we didn't plan that Uh, we should have done that (laughs) Oh, we don't come out on Wednesdays. I was like, we should have done that for Friday the thirteenth, but we come out on Wednesdays, <laughs> not Fridays. We could we could maybe do like a Friday. Ooh, that's an we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, so my sister got me a map of serial killers in the United States and it's little dots that get bigger by the amount of people that they killed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Well, the biggest dot on there is Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. <laughs> no way. So I was like, oh, okay, we'll talk about him. And I've I've obviously read about his case before. I'm not going to go into details on how he killed people because it's fucking horrific. Yeah. But I didn't know that Ted Bundy helped do the profile on him that like got him caught. Really? I also did not know that. Oh, well, you're going to learn something new today. So, Real quick, obviously can I tell you who I always think looks like um, Gary Ridgway? Like, who should play him in a TV movie? Oh, who? Gary Oldman, but specifically Gary Oldman in the Batman movies, when he plays never the cop. Okay, never mind. Hold on, I'm gonna. <laughs> I've literally. Like anybody sitting at home, recent. if you've seen the Batman movies, you've seen Gary Oldman. What's play his the cop. name? Gary Oldman. Yeah, he's also serious black and Harry Ooh. Potter. Ooh. Oh, you're right. You know who I think Gary Ridgway looks like? Do you watch Friends? Yeah. Okay, remember this is very specific. <laughs> Do you remember the episode when Chandler and Monica were getting married, but Joey was gonna marry them, and he got stuck 
on film set yeah. because of the World War One. The guy who was the drunk guy. Oh, I don't remember him. Oh, I think he looks exactly like Gary Richard. I wonder if I can... Uh, I can't remember. I should have written his name down because I was literally looking at his picture before we came to record and I was like, oh, that's who. (laughs) Hmm. It's from... Fuck, what season did they get married in? I've seen Friends a billion times. I'm literally just Googling the one where Monica and Chandler get married because I feel like that's going to be the title of the episode. Yeah. The one with Monica and Chandler's wedding. Okay. I think it's... Oh, man. Who's the characters? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, we can take this out. Uh, I think it is Gary Oldman. It is! Oh! Wow. Great minds to collect. Oh, perfect. <laughs> wow, look at yeah, that. Yeah, he looks exactly... He literally looks exactly like Gary Ridgway. I wonder if people say that to him all God, the time. that would be embarrassing. Also, somebody should cast him <laughs> in Gary Ridgway... Actually, let me look at his filmography and make sure he wasn't in some, like, before he got really <laughs> he's famous. Like, Art, what he's if like, we're, like, uh, literally hello, not even I've the already first people done, to like, think four of, of these. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, make him the Green River Killer. He's like, we that was literally have. the first play I did. <laughs> he's been in, like, the sequel and everything. I know. <laughs> Gary Oldman, Gary Ridgway. I wonder if there's, like, a whole Reddit for him. I bet there is. Let's see. Gary the Oldman first thing on Reddit crime. is Green River Killer Movie. Is it just me or would Gary Oldman be the perfect <laughs> cast? <laughs> so I don't think he's ever played it before, but he does. We're not alone we in this. We should pitch it to him. <laughs> we'll be the ones to come up with this idea. It was our idea first, Gary. <laughs> Oldman, not Ridgeway. Yeah. Okay, anyways, what's... Let's tell a story. Go ahead. Uh, I'm all yours. Okay. So Gary Ridgway, Gary Oldman, the Green River Killer. <laughs> so Gary, he, I, now I don't know what to call him because we had that weird conversation before. Gary was born February 18th, 1949, Salt Lake City, Utah. Hmm. Picture it. It's probably really fucking cold. Is uh, it cold in Salt Lake? People... It's freezing. It's like snows all the time. Really? Ew. Why? Yeah. That's why they got to wear that that weird underwear so that they stay warm. (laughs) Never mind. Take that out. The Mormons are going to hate me. That's right. No, no, no. We're leaving that in. Mormons. I don't know anything about Mormons. To Cheryl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So people on the outside said that. Gary seemed like he had a happy, normal childhood, but in reality, his childhood was fucked, as per usual. Mm. His uh, parents were pretty abusive towards each other. The dad, I guess, was a bus driver, and he uh, was also an alcoholic, and I guess he just kind of beat the F out of his mom all the time. Sucks. And Gary had a lot of problems uh, once he hit puberty. He was still a bedwetter around age 13. And his mom would wash his genitals after he wet the bed. And so he started being confused about his sexual feelings towards his mom. He said he had clear recollections of like dreaming about wanting to kill her, but also that he was sexually attracted to her, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Uh, This, he tells a psychologist later in life, spoiler alert, he gets caught. (laughs) Um, 
age 16, he stabs a six-year-old boy in the liver just to see how stabbing, quote-unquote, works. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that, he joins the Navy. (laughs) So he graduates from high school. Yeah. As, as you do, you know, just go hang out with a bunch of dudes on a boat. It's your favorite thing to do. Underwater. Um, so he didn't really have any more incidents by the time he graduated high school, but then he joins the Navy at the age of 20. He serves in the U.S. Navy for two years. Uh, he gets married to his first wife. Her I'm sorry, I should have written her name down. His first wife, excuse me, first wife, Claudia Craig Barrows. Okay. Uh, their marriage lasts only a year because he continuously has sex with prostitutes mm. while he's stationed overseas and he contracts gonorrhea. Ooh. This angers him, but he continues to have unprotected sex. Does he get the gonorrhea treated? So, I think eventually, it doesn't really go into much detail about it. It's just that their ma- their marriage lasts for a little over a year because she's kind of like sick of his shit. Yeah. I can blame her. Um, he then meets his second wife, Marsha Lorraine Brown. They're married for a little over 10 years and he actually has a son with her, Matthew, who was born in 1975. Okay. Um, I couldn't really find any information on where Matthew is now. I'm sure he's probably changed his name as I would too. Right. Um, Marsha eventually leaves him because of his high sex drive and also getting like weirdly religious. Hmm. He would frequently cry after sermons or reading the Bible, but despite his beliefs, he continued to solicit sex workers. Um, And he was just very like sexually unsatisfied with his wife. Mm -hmm. Like he would kind of like demand her to have sex in public or like in inappropriate places um sometimes even where his victims bodies are later discovered so finally at one point he puts her in a chokehold she walks out she's like fuck you absolutely yeah so he then gets married for a third time and he seems to have calmed down a little bit. His third wife's name is Judy Judith Lorraine Lynch. They're married for almost 17 years. Uh, and he gets arrested. So, in the time that he is married to uh, his second wife and then his third wife, the killings start. So they start uh, in throughout the 1980s and 90s. He's believed to have murdered 71 people. Wow. I did not realize it was that big of a number. So he only gets convicted for 48. Uh, Yeah, only. Uh, But he confesses to 71. People actually think the number can be as high as about 96. Wow. Yeah. So let's get into murders. So his killing spree starts in 1982. He kills a 16-year-old girl who had run away from... Her foster home. Mm -hmm. So he kind of like takes, uh, he like preys on vulnerable people. Excuse me. Obviously women who live a quote unquote higher risk lifestyle. Like if you're a sex worker. But he also picks up a lot of um, like teenage runaway girls. Mm -hmm. So he picks up a lot of these women at like truck stops, dive bars along Highway 99 uh, outside of Seattle. So he... He had settled in Seattle, and he had started working for um, a company that painted these long-haul trucks. I don't know what they're called. Like, uh... Like cargo vans? What the hell is the word? 
cut no oh my god semis oh <laughs> he's he gets a job painting semis which is how he meets all these women at like pickup oh, or at, um, okay. truck stops and like along like highway 99 so he lures victims in his car often gaining their trust with showing photos of his son uh he then engages in sexual activity with them strangles them to death sometimes in the middle of intercourse Dang. so uh have you ever been to seattle i have not oh it's it's very rainy never been to the actual uh, west coast so- Oh. Yeah, the furthest was... I, I went to Santa Fe once for a conference when I was in college. Um, and other than that, I think that's it. Like, the like to see the Pacific Ocean, that's on my bucket list, because I've never seen it. Oh. one Okay, so I've never been to Seattle, but I've been to the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like... It's like if you put a forest along the ocean, kind of. Oh, that sounds so pretty. It's like... The, it but it's it rains like nonstop like it's very very gray it's beautiful but I don't think I could live there because I'm I need sunshine I feel like that would be like I would want to be like a really rich successful author like I would want to be like a Stephen King and I would want a cabin in the woods in that area and yeah. I would just want to like write there. And just go for like a month at a time, like crank out a book and then fly back to my house, like on the beach in Florida. <laughs> and like no one bothers yeah. you. It's totally quiet. Just go for like three weeks at a time. Crank out a bestseller. The fresh go air. Back, Could you imagine what air smells like? Oh my there? gosh. And all those trees doing all that. Ugh. What's that thing called where they like intake? Photosynthesis. Yeah. All the all the oxygen from the trees. Oh, man. Uh, it's like the best oxygen on Earth. So crisp. <laughs> so pure. Uh, well, see, the Pacific Northwest, is. it smells like that. It's very. It smells very clean. I don't know about Seattle, but... Maybe not the heart of Seattle. Portland's I'm sure it's very... a big city that's gross like the rest of them. I've seen Grey's Anatomy. I know what it looks like. <laughs> I watched 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Um, well, so the Green River is in Seattle, which is how he gets his nickname, the Green River Killer. Um, he would dump bodies in wooded areas along the Green River, but usually like kind of in the same places over and over again. Mm -hmm. So he, this is lasting for like almost 20 years. He gets away with killing women for almost 20 years. What's this time period again? This is, he started in 1982. Okay. And he doesn't get arrested until... Uh, 2001. No way, really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's like... We're going to get into that right now. It? I mean, 20 years ago, yeah. still. Oh, uh, one of the women that he... The most recent woman to be identified that he murdered was identified in 2011. So they're, like, yeah. still identifying I was, like, women. in high school. Yeah, it's, Holy cow. It's fucking nuts. It's, like... And the thing is, is he just... Like, he just looks like a normal guy. Yeah, he looks totally unsuspecting. It's... That shit really fucking bothers me. Um, So, Ridgway would purposefully contaminate crime scenes by putting gum and cigarette butts from, like, other people. Like, he would pick up, like, cigarette butts and gum out of, like, trash cans and shit to leave at the crime scene and throw it off. You know, so, I can't remember where I read this, but... I think in one of the articles I read, it said his IQ was like 80. Wait, that's low, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But so I'm like, 
if your IQ is not that high, how are you smart enough to realize, like, let me put a cigarette butt at a crime scene even though I don't smoke? Yeah. Like, from someone else. Like, that seems like a very intelligent thought to me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that he would do was he would occasionally dump a body in one place, leave it for a little bit, and then come back, transport it to another location to kind of, like, leave a false trail. And at least two of his victims were transported as far away as Portland. So he, like... He's trying to throw police off his, like, radar, Mm -hmm. but, like, they catch him. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, in 1987, so five years after he starts uh, his killing spree, he gets arrested um, for soliciting a sex worker. Police take hair and saliva samples from him, but, I don't know if you guys remember from last episode... DNA evidence didn't really, like, exist Mm -hmm. at this point. Like, it's not like you could just kind of, like, test. Um, But the Green River Task Force, as they were called, the police department who was, like, investigating this, knew that they had to save those samples so that they could test it at a later date, which is why he gets caught so late. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh... Finally, so he gets arrested again in, oh, he becomes a suspect at this point. Like they, that's the whole reason they took these samples from him. Okay. They, they knew that he probably had something to do with it just because of like the pattern. So insert Ted Bundy. So Ted Bundy is on death row at this point. Okay. In, he's waiting for his execution in 1988 right before he's about to be executed, Mm -hmm. he helps the Seattle Police Department do a profile on who the Green River Killer is. And he actually helps them uncover, like, six more bodies. Really? Yes. Why would he do that? Ted Bundy... I think that... I mean, he was going to be executed as it was, and I think he was just kind of like, oh, well, like, let me bide my time. Yeah. So he didn't get, like, a plea deal or anything, like, in exchange... No, he is actually the one who reached out to the Seattle Police Department. He wrote a letter saying that he wanted to consult uh, and that he knew all about the Green River Killer. He didn't know who it was, but he could, like, help them kind of figure out the motives behind his, like, movements. Was he like, because I've been there, done that, I know how they think? (laughs) Pretty much. So he was like... So this is what he said, quote, First off, there's no remorse. He doesn't have any feelings towards anybody, his family included. Uh, he then talks about how the person would probably come back to the grave site where he left the bodies. He would probably have, um, trophies that he would take home, things like that. So he kind of like helped them figure out like who this person is. And he also helped them figure out like he probably has a normal job where he has to travel a little bit, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because he's picking up all these women at like truck stops. So. Bundy's theories turned out to be absolutely correct. In 2001, Gary is finally arrested at the truck factory that he's working. So he, remember I said he was working as a truck painter? Mm -hmm. They found paint chips on one of the women's bodies. And they had finally take, and oh, they had also found like semen on her. And they could finally test it to match it up with the samples that they had taken 
1987. Wow. So in early 2003, this is when his trial starts. They charge him for 480 years, so 48 life sentences, mm-hmm. and an additional 10 years for every body that they're going to find. Whoa. It's, yeah. That's like kind of a cool sentence. So it's like to say. That he's just going to repeat it. Like, and we're just going to keep identity. adding it on for every, because even, because like at a certain point, it's just a life, like you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. Like all these numbers are just symbolic, but to just say like mm-hmm. for every additional body, we're giving you an extra, like, I don't know. I kind of like that. So the only reason he didn't get the death penalty is because he helped them locate several victims. Okay. But not all of them. So he only gets charged for 48 victims, so 480 years, plus an additional 10 for every that everyone that they uncover after that. He kind of, like, makes a map mm-hmm. um, of where he identified bodies. But at this point, he's also killed so many women that he's like, I really couldn't even tell you. Like, That's what I was thinking. Are. If like, he has such a low IQ, how would you even remember? Unless you, like, made your own map yeah. or something, like, how would you remember, you know? So in one of his taped confessions, he confesses to 71 victims. He only gets charged for 48, but he actually confesses to 71. Uh, And then he he tells them, and this is a really fucked up detail, that the only reason he knows where the majority of them are is because he would repeatedly go back to have sex with their corpses. Ooh. Yes. We don't like that. Yeah, uh, and he also referred to murdering young women as his career. <gasps> he did not. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God, what a garbage human. He is still in solitary confinement in Walla Walla, Washington State Pen. Uh, he is 72 years old, 73 years old, I'm sorry. God, that's like... And he'll be there fucking forever. I feel like that's kind of so, young. I thought he would be like well, 90. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he I literally know. only got Uh he only got caught like what, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, that's so insane. 3 20 years ago. Yeah. So as of right now, there's still about 10 women that he they have remains to but they're unidentified. Mm-hmm. Uh and the most recent one like I said before got identified in 2011. So they're still working on like identifying these women because I mean they have a million bodies right. like it's insane uh, I don't know if I said my sources but there was an in- all that's interesting article on him um, I listened to a My Favorite Murder episode that did uh, a profile on him and then obviously Wikipedia yeah. wow great story so he's been in solitary uh-huh. confinement the whole time he's been in prison I think uh, it doesn't say the whole time, but he is currently still in solitary confinement. I think they were like, he's so fucked up, like, we're not even gonna. Well, and probably for safety, like, I'm sure somebody would kill him. Like a little jailhouse justice type situation. Think about how many, the other thing is, is think about how many, like, teenage girls he killed. Yeah, like children. That's yeah. one thing. Like, when like we talk about, liter- like, his first murder victim was 16. Like, teenage girls and underage girls are children, you know? Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Thanks, Ted Bundy. I guess I kind of appreciate you. One <laughs> semi-decent thing in your entire life. Yeah, so basically it was his profile that like led them to figuring out who it was. Yeah. See, and that's where, okay, everybody always talks about like how Ted Bundy was so attractive, blah, 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 but he just looks like your average dude. So I think it was like his personality that he like, I feel like he had a very charming personality and that's why people were sort of drawn to him or attracted to him. And that like, you know, if you like somebody on a personal level, it makes your just overall attraction towards them increase. So I feel like yeah. being able to just write a letter to the police department saying, hey, we want to help out. Like I, a convicted serial killer sitting on death row that has killed dozens of women and raped in horrible ways. I want to help out with this murder. Like, can you imagine somebody doing that today? Can you imagine, like, Chris Watts no. writing a letter saying, like, hey, I want to help find Brian Laundry or something? Like, nobody will let him do it. So I think that's just another testament to Ted Bundy's weird, like, charm case. Well, I don't know, because I, I think that when the FBI started doing psychological profiling, I mean, who better to interview than serial killers on death row? Oh, I guess that's true. But you're you're right as well, though, because in this case, Ted Bunny is the one who volunteered to do this. It yeah. wasn't like they contacted him. He wrote a letter to the police department being like, hey, I can help you guys out a little Free bit. Free services like, over here. Also, it could have been the yeah, police department was like, we got anyway. nothing. Here's free help knocking at our front door. We got to take it. Yeah. I think they, like, were on to him, but they didn't have any, like, solid proof. So they were just like, whatever, fuck it. And it worked. I mean. Yeah. Oh, man. That's ugh. terrible. I can't believe he's still alive. I, mean, I think I sort of knew that, but it's still just strange to to think that he's only in his it's early weird. 70s. That's like the Golden State Killer. He's still alive. Is he really? Right? Oh, God. I could just be pulling shit out of my ass. Hold on. Let me look that up. <laughs> I'm, like, 90% sure he's still alive. Golden State Killer. Yeah, he's still alive. Wow. How old is he? Uh, 76. Dang. It is uh-huh. weird to think about, like, all these stories that happen. So, you know when you're a kid and you think that, like, 10 years ago was a million years ago? Or you think somebody that's, like, 50 yeah. is, like, old as dirt, you know? Like, all these stories that we heard as kids that we were like, oh, this happened in the 1990s. That was so long ago. And really, it's, like, it's not. It's, like, our age, our siblings' age. I have a hard time accepting that it's 2022, right? What year are we? Yeah. The 90s were only 10 years ago. (laughs) Like, yeah. I was literally born in the 90s. I was born smack dab (laughs) in the middle of the 90s, and it was only 10 years ago. Except it was 20... Over 20 years ago. Oh, that's insane. Okay, so my story is kind of long. I'm going to try to cut it as we go. No, 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 you're fine. The only reason I I didn't go longer is because I didn't want to list, like, every single... I mean, he killed almost 100 women. Like, that is true. Talking for um, I am going to list all the people that my guy killed. I'm also going to just go ahead and issue a pretty significant trigger warning. Um... And I'll tell you why. Because my guy is Jeffrey Dahmer, and he did some pretty messed up crap. (laughs) He was pretty awful, and he experimented a lot, and he had a lot going on. Ooh, yeah. So I'm I'm just going to go big trigger warning for, like, murder, 
cannibalism. Um, oh my god. God, I use this word all the time. What is it when you dismemberment? Um, torture. Why are we forgetting so many words today? <laughs> I know. So I'll give like a little other trigger warnings in the episode, but like I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up on that one right now. Oh, okay. Let's do it. So Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin really? on May 21st, 1960. So his birthday was just a couple of days ago. Um, and as a young child, he appeared for the most part happy and energetic energetic but after he underwent a double hernia surgery when he was four he became a little more quiet and subdued which i can imagine that's a lot for a four-year-old um and in that same year he actually witnessed his dad removing some animal bones from a crawl space of the family home and his dad said that he became oddly thrilled those were his dad's words at the site and he called the bones like fiddlesticks like they were toys oh my god um a few years later Jeffrey asked his dad, so his dad was a research chemist, and they were sitting down there having, like, fried chicken for dinner, and he asked his dad what would happen to the bones of the chickens if they were put into bleach, and his dad initially thought that this question stemmed from some sort of, like, scientific curiosity, so he just decided to show his young child how to bleach and preserve bones, hoping to encourage this curiosity. What? Yeah. So he started collecting like large insects, like moths, dragonflies, whatever, and he would preserve them. And then he also would collect um, dead animals. Like he, like his parents didn't know about this, but he would collect dead animals, even like roadkill that he found, and he would try to preserve these bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about his parents for a second. Um, they had a good old fashioned miserable suburban marriage. His dad was a research student turned chemist, and his mom was a housewife who abused pills. Um, She spent a lot of time in bed sleeping. She would take laxative to to stay thin, and she had anti-anxiety meds to help with her hypochondria. And when she gave birth to her second son, when Jeffrey was six, the postpartum that she experienced sort of exasperated all of her issues. And she attempted suicide at least once by over overdosing on her anxiety meds and her loving husband of course ignored all of these issues and resented her for not being a normal pretty housewife with dinner on the table by six um so they fought a lot they argued a lot lots of tension and not a lot of like love in their household and one teacher even reported that jeffrey showed early signs of abandonment but of course this was the 60s so who cared um (laughs) I know it's not funny, but I mean, it is true. Like, it's ridiculous. So when he started high school, he began drinking very, very heavily. And this is going to continue on for basically the rest of his life. Um, He showed early signs of alcoholism. And for the most part, he was like a good, quiet kid. He had like decent grades. He briefly played tennis and he was in the band, but he would hide water bottles of liquor inside of his jacket and he would get drunk at school. Um, and he didn't actually have a lot of friends, but he was kind of a bit of a joker and this is like messed up, but he had this bit and it was called doing the Dahmer and he would randomly in public places just simulate having a seizure and making these like weird gag noises, um, which is obviously not funny and we know better by now. That's fucking weird. Yeah. But it was like the mid seventies. It was like 
it was awkward it was weird and it, like made people point and stare and be like what's going on with this kid and so like 16 year olds thought it was hilarious so that was like his bit that he would do okay um so during his junior year in 1977 his parents started counseling but it didn't really work and they eventually announced that they were going to divorce and so that spring his mom and younger brother moved to chippewa falls to live with his family and Jeffrey had just turned 18, so he was allowed to decide where he wanted to go, and he stayed at his family home. Okay. So, okay, so in the beginning of high school, he was going through puberty, and he sort of realized that he was gay. And he actually had, like, a little first love boyfriend, um, but they never had sex, and he never told his parents about his sexuality. And he said later that he had fantasies around this time beginning to include, like, dominating his partner. Um, And at some point, his interests in, like, dissection and preservation with these animal bones, they started to intertwine with his, his sexual fantasies. And so it wasn't necessarily, like, an intrusive, like, thought that would pop up when he felt like he wasn't supposed to. It was something that he sort of, like, entertained and continued to explore. Um, yeah, as he got older, um, and there was actually a male jogger in his neighborhood that he found attractive and he had these fantasies about the jogger, but, and then the guy was always unconscious. And one day he actually hid in the bushes with a baseball bat and he intended on knocking the jogger out when he passed by and making these fantasies come true. But for whatever reason on this particular day, the man didn't jog by and, Although unsuccessful, well, depending on your definition of success, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah. this was his first attempt at attacking somebody, and he was 16. That's so young. So young. That's so young. So, all right. So, in the summer of 78, Dahmer's parents have officially separated. They might actually be divorced, but I'm not sure yet. Anyways, they're separated. Mom and brother have moved out. Um... He turns 18, he graduates high school, and he's in the family house. But it's just him. Um, Three weeks later, he commits his first murder. He picks up a hitchhiker, Stephen Mark Hicks, on his way to a rock concert and offers the 19-year-old to go back to his house and have a few beers, hang out, chill, that sort of thing. Um, He says that Stephen had been shirtless while hitchhiking and the sight of his bare chest, which was like his chosen fetish the way like with straight men, they may be attracted to, like, long hair or, like, big boobs or whatever. Like, Dahmer's thing was, like, yeah. bare chests. Um, so the sight of that sort of, like, made him aroused. And when Steven started talking about girls, Dahmer knew that he wasn't gonna... Like, Steven wasn't gonna agree to do anything sexual with him. So okay. he had to basically not ask. Um, so I'm gonna go into some detail, so trigger warning again. Uh, after hanging out for a few hours, Dahmer said that Stephen wanted to leave and he didn't want him to. So he took a 10-pound dumbbell and he struck Stephen in the head twice from behind and then strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell. And the next day, oh he dissected the body, which I hate how clinical and scientific that sounds when it comes to humans, but that's the word. And he buried the remains in the backyard. And later, he dug the remains up. He removed the remaining flesh, dissolved it in an acidic solution, and then he crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woods. That was his first kill. Oh my god. 
That sounds like a like 18th kill kind of it thing. It does. Like, that sounds so, so extreme. Methodical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, especially for something that wasn't planned. It's not like he targeted this victim. Like, it just sort of came together when he passed him on the road, you know? Yeah. So that August, Dahmer enrolled at Ohio State University where his alcohol abuse became rampant and it resulted in him failing every class except for riflery. And he earned a .45 GPA. Oh my gosh. So at the end of the semester, his dad, like, voluntold him to enlist in the army and do something with his life because college obviously wasn't going to be it. And he went on to serve as a combat medic for two years, but was eventually discharged due to his alcoholism and his, like, deteriorating performance. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I understand that we need a military. Don't send teenage boys. Number one, don't send teenage boys. Number two, don't send teenage boys that have fucking issues into the military. Like, (laughs) it's rough. Um, but the military actually, so he was discharged for his alcoholism, but they didn't, they gave him an honorable discharge because they were like, his issues do not make him a threat to society overall. And like, he didn't do anything bad. He just (laughs) has mental health issues. And it's like, okay, well, you were kind of on to something. Literally a threat to society. Should have explored that a little (laughs) more. Whatever. God almighty. Okay. So after a brief stint in Florida, he goes back to Ohio to live with his dad. But he was very quickly rested on a drunken disorderly. And then he was sent to live with his grandmother. And his grandmother is the only family member that he has ever shown any significant affection towards. Uh, And so this is in Wisconsin. So he gets a job as a phlebotomist. But very shortly, he eventually gets laid off. Like, he doesn't get fired. He just gets laid off. And he, just after that, was arrested for indecent exposure at the Wisconsin State Fair Park. Um, So he's, like, masturbating into a crowd. Um, so at one That's point while living in his grandmother's, he starts, fr- what? That's absolutely atrocious. Isn't that disgusting? I like, you like skimmed over that so fast and it took me a second to like register. <laughs> it's gross. Like I don't, That's, whatever. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So while he's living at his grandmother's, he starts frequenting, uh, gay bathhouses during his time. So... A bathhouse is similar to, like, a sauna or, like, a steam room-like environment, but it's sort of meant for, like, anonymous or casual, like, hookups. Um, That's sort of, like, the purpose that they serve. So he starts going to these bathhouses, and this is where he starts to explore sexuality a little more. He loses his virginity. um, And he later stated that he became frustrated by the amount of movement that came from his partners during, like, their hookup sessions. So he told doctors that he was having trouble sleeping due to his unusual work hours and asked for sleeping pills so that he could get, like, sort of a hold on his schedule. And he started lacing the drinks of his partners, and he would wait until they were unconscious before he would continue with the, what had been previously consensual sex with the now unconsensual sex. Um, this Here's the thing. Wait, I'm just going to pause you sure. right there. There is no such thing as unconsensual or, sex. Right. It's rape at this point. You're, but, like, I just, I think we should make that a point in this podcast as well, because I'm sure I need to be corrected at times, mm-hmm. too. People. <laughs> 
If it's not consented, it's fucking yeah. rape. Like, if your partner's oh my god, on, if your person, if your partner is drugged through no, if they cannot consent, if they can't consent, it's a if fucking asleep, no. Like it's rape. So you're right. Thank you for correcting me. I was going with the like play on words of consent, but you you were yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, no, um, what funny. had been consensual is no longer. Um, but eventually, this gets like caught, and he gets kicked out. So then, oh, this is at the bathhouse. Yeah. So, because I guess like there, a lot of his partners were already like drinking or experimenting with drugs, and so a lot of them, I guess at some point they would okay. notice that they passed out, and they would think like, "Wow, I drank too much," that sort of thing. But then enough people ha- it happened to that they were like, "Wait, what?" And they just kicked the guy out. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. In the fall of 86, he was arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys, and he <clears throat> pretended that he was urinating. That was, like, his story. Uh, but he eventually fessed up and was like, yeah, that's what I was doing. Either way, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, gross. Like, either like, way. Your dick away. Nobody needs to see that. Oh, my God. So, also around this time, he attempted to dig up the body of a local 18-year-old man that died after seeing the obituary in the paper... But he found the soil to be too hard, so he just gave up. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right, so in November 1987, Dahmer meets 25 year old Stephen Tuami. Again, I'm going to apologize for the names here. At a bar, invites him back to his hotel room. So he's living in his grandmother's house, but he starts renting hotel rooms pretty regularly because he's like trying to have sex with men. He doesn't want his grandmother to know about it. So. Okay. He stated that he had planned his usual, like, sedate and, like, rape routine, which in and of itself is absolutely disgusting. But the next morning, he woke up and he found Stephen beaten to death and dead next to him with no memory of it happening. Like, he doesn't remember killing him. He just, that's, he just woke up. Like, so they think he blacked okay. out, basically. Um, he purchased a large suitcase. He moved Stephen's remains to his grandmother's house. He dismembered it. The body, he crushed the bones, he disposed of them in large trash bags, with the exception of the head, again trigger warning, which he boiled and bleached so that he could masturbate with it until it became too brittle and he also had to dispose of that. (sighs) Hannah's face is like on the floor right now. Her jaw. I can't, oh. Uh, just head stuff, like, I can't. You better buckle up, because we got a lot more of it coming. I know, I know. It's like... It's oh, awful. Okay. So... Ugh. I love this shit, but I hate it at the same Like, it's time. so fascinating, but it is just truly horrible when you remember that these are real people. Yeah. So, this sort of became his MO. He would, like, lure men, or sometimes boys, children... Either to the hotel yeah. room or to his grandmother's house. He would drug them, kill them, rape them, either alive or dead, um, and dispose of their bodies. He did this to both 14-year-old James Doxter and 22-year-old Richard Guerrero that same spring. There was a third victim who he did not murder due to his grandmother's arrival back to the house. So instead, he drove... Basically, he had already drugged him, but then his grandmother came home. So he waited for the drugs to take effect, and then he drove the guy to the hospital and dropped him off there. Uh, So he didn't rape him or anything. Later that year, his grandmother was like, 
hey, you got to get out. Like, this is creepy. I don't know why you're bringing these weird men. I don't know why there's these foul older odors coming from my basement. Your you got to get out. old grandma. Had to be like, oh yo, God. you got to go. I'll see you at Thanksgiving, but you got to get out. So he finds a one-bedroom apartment, and almost immediately he gets arrested for drugging and fondling a 13-year-old boy that he lured to this apartment. Um, He underwent psychological evaluations during the court proceedings and found that he, quote, harbored deep feelings of alienation and and that he was an impulsive individual, suspicious of others, and dismayed by his lack of accomplishments in life. It's like Crimea River. Yeah, like, go fuck yourself, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, so he pled guilty. You want to guess what his sentence was? To fucking five seconds. Soliciting and molesting a 13-year-old child? Five years probation. I was going to say four years. Yeah, five years probation. Um, One year at the House of Corrections, but he was actually able to get work release instead so that he would be allowed to keep a job. Um, and he did have to register as a sex offender, but like, spoiler alert, it doesn't yeah, but stop back him. in those days, like, also back in those, like, it's not, it's like, you know, when you live by a sex offender now, like they have to notify yeah. you. I'm sure back in those days they were like, eh, we'll get to it when we get to yeah. it. Like, so, so he gets arrested for this, right? And he gets convicted, but then there's a delay before the actual sentencing. In between the conviction and the sentencing, he murders 24-year-old Anthony Sears. And this would actually be the first victim who remains he kept. So he discarded everything except for the head and the genitalia, which he preserved in acetone and kept as his little trophies. Does he keep them in, like, jars and shit? Like, where is he keeping So, he keeps them throughout. Like, some stuff he keeps in his fridge, and then some he keeps in a jar. He had, I think these remains he kept in, like, a wooden, uh, like, a wooden box. But it'd always be, like, a locker, except it's wooden. Um, and he would carry it with him. He kept stuff, like, like in his closet, under of. his bed, everywhere. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so in May of 1990... Which I can't, again, I feel like that's 10 years ago, but it's literally 32 years ago. Um, yeah. Dahmer moves into his own apartment again, and this is when things start to amp up, like, big time. Within a week, he murders 32-year-old Raymond Smith. The next day, he purchased a Polaroid camera, and he took photos of Smith's body before disposing of everything except for the head, which he preserved and kept alongside Anthony Sears. A week later, he lured another man home, except this time he accidentally drank some of the laced alcohol that he was intending to give him, and he woke up to find himself alone, missing his clothes, a watch, and $300 in cash. But of course, Good. he never reported it. Yeah, literally bare minimum. Not even bare minimum, but better than nothing, I guess. That's still not true, yeah. but whatever, he deserved it. Um, a couple weeks later, he lures 27-year-old Edward Smith to the apartment, drugging and killing him. This time, he decided to put the remains in the freezer, hoping that it would sort of remove some of the moisture from the body, Um, but it didn't, and when Dahmer tried to put the skull in the oven to sort of preserve it, it actually exploded, and Dahmer said he cried at this realization, and he felt like it was a wasted kill. So, like, he genuinely regretted killing this guy because he, like, couldn't use the body. He's like, you got, like, halfway there, my guy. (coughs) Dismemberment, like really bothers me 
I don't understand. Like you've already killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Like I guess because he feels like this particular like- person's life was wasted because he couldn't get the purpose out of this man's body that he wanted, regardless of what that man wanted with his own body. Yeah. Narcissism, you know? For fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, Dahmer then lured 22-year-old Ernest Miller to the apartment, this time cutting his throat instead of strangling him. He took photos with the Polaroid. He dismembered the body. While he was doing this, he would talk aloud to the severed head, to Miller's severed head, and he would kiss it like it was a real person that was there. Um, so, extra trigger warning here. Uh, Dahmer disposed of and <laughs> preserved the remains the way he, you know, usually did. But this time he took the heart, biceps, and some of the leg muscles and he refrigerated them and later ate them. This was his first count of cannibalism. That we know of, I guess. Yeah. A couple weeks later, he lures 22-year-old David Thomas. He later admitted that he wasn't actually attracted to David, but because he had already drugged him... He was scared that David would attack him when he woke up. So he strangled and killed him anyways, but he immediately disposed of the remains. He didn't keep any of the bones or anything. Okay. February 1991, he lures 17-year-old Curtis Strotter to the apartment where he strangled and dismembered the body, taking photos the whole time, retaining the skull, hands, and genitals. Two months later, another trigger warning, he lures 19-year-old Errol Lindsay. After drugging Errol, but not killing him, just drugging him, Dahmer drills a hole into his skull and pours hydrochloric acid in it, hoping to induce a permanent, unresponsive state. Basically, he wants to put him into a coma. But Errol eventually woke up and he said, I have a headache. What time is it? So with the experiment failed, he just drugged Errol again, strangled him, dismembered the body, and kept the skull. He also attempted to preserve the skin, but he couldn't. May 1991, he kills 31-year-old Tony Hughes, and three days later, he lures, you're going to have to just work with me on this one, 14-year-old Laotian teenager, Connerick, Synthesophone. Oh, sounds out to me. I don't know. He's Laotian. They're from Laos, yeah. you said? But I'm going to call him by his first name, which is Connerick. So he drugs Connerick, he molested him, he led him into the room where he actually passed Tony Hughes' dead body. But according to Dahmer, he didn't make any mention of it, likely due to the drugs that he had consumed. Yeah. Um, again, he drills a hole into the skull, he pours hydrochloric acid in, and then after he becomes unconscious, Dahmer leaves the apartment to go buy more beer. Upon returning home... <laughs> He finds Connerick on the sidewalk, naked, speaking Laotian to three women who had called the police. And when the police arrive, Dahmer just very calmly explains that this is his 19-year-old boyfriend. Not 14, 19-year-old boyfriend. He got a little drunk, they got in a huge fight, and he ran away. This is super normal, it happens all the time, it's just a glover's quarrel. 14-year-olds don't look like 19-year-olds. Thank you. Particularly... It's not like you can... 14-year-olds like, are still going not like through puberty, and he's naked on this sidewalk. Yes. Like, for, like you can mistake, like, a 17-year-old for a 19-year-old. 14-year-old for a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. You know what I mean? 
It's ridiculous. Like, 14-year-olds do not fucking look like 19. I'm, no. Exactly. Also, and the police officers that responded were men. So it's like, I feel like you knew you what your own body looks like. You guys know what a 14-year-old looks Yeah. So one of the women Ugh. is there, and the police are like, very calmly, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we understand. And one of the women is like, what is wrong with you? And they explain that... Conrick had, like, he had blood on his testicles, he was bleeding from his rectum, and when Dahmer had tried to originally be like, no, 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 let's just go back, like, stop scaring these poor people, he, like, fought and persisted, but he couldn't really talk, and he couldn't speak English very well. The police's response to this woman, I'm gonna quote here, butt out and shut the hell up. The police then escort Donner and Conrick back to the apartment, the whole time Dahmer commenting on the state of crime in the area, how thankful he is for the police and their efforts, what would they do without him. Like, then he shows the police the Polaroids that he had took of Conrick earlier as proof that they were lovers, because Conrick did consent to these photos, thinking that he was going to get paid like $100, so he's like posing in them. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you can't really consent if you're 14, well, yes. dude. It's child pornography. But he's not, like, forced in the photos. Asshole. It's not... Well, he's not obviously yeah. forced in the photos, I should say. Like, you can't tell that he's, like, being yeah. forced. Yeah. And so he's like, look, this is my boyfriend. Like, he posed for photos for me and everything. Um, one officer sort of noted that there was, like, a weird smell in the apartment. But he makes no mention of it in the domestic dispute report that eventually gets filed. And they told Dahmer to take good care and went on their merry way. As soon as they left, Dahmer poured more hydrochloric acid into Conrick's skull, this time killing him. And he took a day off of work to properly dispose of his and Tony Hughes' body. He kept both skulls. About a month later, Dahmer lures 20-year-old Matt Turner to the apartment, strangles, dismembers him, places his head and internal organs in the freezer. Five days later, he lures 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger, drugs him, and, trigger warning, twice pours boiling water into his skull, which caused a coma that Jeremiah Uh. later just died from. Oh, oh wait, he was alive? Yeah. So he's trying to, (laughs) he, he wants an unresponsive partner. So he's trying. He doesn't want a dead body. He yeah. wants like he'll take like he a dead body, warm, but he just he wants want somebody unresponsive. Is sort of his. Oh thing. no! So he's trying to like no. induce this coma. A week later, he lures twenty-four-year-old Oliver Lacey to the apartment. He drugs him and he attempts to chloroform him. For some reason, he tried to prolong his time with Oliver alive, but when this proved basically unsuccessful, again depending on your definition of success he does strangle him he has sex with the corpse he dismembers the body again retaining the skull and the heart four days later he lures 25 year old joseph braidhoff to the apartment strangles him but rather than dismembering him he left his body on the bed and covered it with a sheet two days later he discovered the head filled with maggots so he decapitated the body he cleaned the head and he placed it in the fridge before acidifying the rest of the remains. We're getting so close to the end here, I promise. Oh my god. So the next day, Dahmer approaches three men with the offer for $100 to drink beer and pose for photographs. One of the men, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agrees. 
So they go to the apartment, and when they get there, Dahmer, like, turns on him. He threatens him with a knife, and he he handcuffs him. And Tracy tries really, really hard to appease Dahmer. So, like, he willingly agrees to undress. He's like, let's watch TV. He insists that he's a friend. He just wants to hang out. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I'll take my clothes off. You can take pictures. It's okay. Like, you don't have to, you know, he's trying to, like, go along with everything to not be perceived as a threat. And at one point, he witnesses Dahmer, like, as they're talking, Dahmer sort of turns away from him, like, turns his body, turns his head, and he just starts, like, rocking back and forth. And he starts muttering to himself, but Tracy doesn't understand what he's saying. And then he just turns back, like, he almost snaps. And then he, he's, like, holding his, the knife to Tracy's neck, but then he presses his ear against the bare chest, and he's, like, listening to the heartbeat, and, he's, and he tells him he's going to eat his heart later on. And Tracy's just, like, oh. standing there trying to not make any sudden movements, that sort of thing. Yeah. So he continues trying to calm Dahmer and try to delay him. So they're in the bedroom, and the bedroom doesn't have air conditioning, but the living room does. So he asks if they are like, let's just go in the living room. There's like AC, it's nice and cool in there. We'll just drink a couple beers. We'll hang out. We'll talk. Like, let's just do that. And so Dahmer's like, okay, yeah. okay, let's do that. Um, you can tell he's like getting really nervous. And they're not sure if this has happened before or if this is like new to Tracy or if it's like a rare occurrence. But either way, it's what's happening. So at one point, Dahmer gets distracted, and Tracy takes advantage. He punches Dahmer in the face, he knocks him off balance, and he sprints out the front door where he flags down two police officers. The police officers are like, wait, what's going on? They make Tracy take him back to the apartment. So rather than being like, we'll take you to the police station to get a statement, or like, let's go to the hospital, get you some help, and we'll go investigate, they're like, show us where again. And they make him go back to the apartment that he had just been held captive in. So they start looking around and they notice the Polaroids of all the unconscious men and the dismembered body parts. And they notice that the background in these photos match the apartment that they're standing in. When Dahmer noticed their discovery, he originally tried to fight them off, but they very quickly overpowered him. They cuffed him, they pinned him to the ground. They call for backup, and while they're doing that, one of the officers opened the fridge, and it revealed a freshly severed head, and then Dahmer told them, for what I did, I should be dead. And then he just sort of gives up. He quits resisting. <laughs> I hate when they do that. It's like, nah, man. Like, like stop feeling you, sorry for it. You've been acting like this. Yeah. Don't like... make me feel guilty for hating you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So the police go on. This is insane. They find four severed heads, seven skulls, some bleached, some painted, two human hearts, an entire torso, a bag of human organs and flesh, two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and inside a 57-gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in an acid solution. There were also 74 total Polaroids of these men, dead or alive, in suggesting positions, and dismembered. It's later found that multiple neighbors had already filed complaints about the foul smell coming from the department, but Dahmer had always just found an excuse. At one point, he's like, my freezer went out and all the meat spoiled in it, and then he's like... um, 
he says that he had a fish tank with a bunch of tropical fish and the tank malfunctions and so then all the fish died and they're like rot in the apartment for a day before he gets home from work like blah 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 Ugh. okay so over the next two weeks after his arrest Dahmer was interviewed for a total of 60 hours he waived his right to an attorney and he just says quote I created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put it into it he went on to confess to the murder of 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987, with one further victim, Stephen Hicks, killed back in Ohio in 1978. He admitting to engaging in necrophilia with several victims' bodies, as well as consuming hearts, livers, biceps, portions, and portions of thighs from many victims within the past year. So it's believed that he didn't commit any cannibalism until that last year. Um, he tells police that he was in the process of building a private altar of skulls. That's why he kept preserving skulls specifically, even if he disposed of the rest of the body. And he said if the police had arrived six months later, that's exactly what they would have found. This, like, altar of skulls. (sighs) So during the trial, which Dahmer pled guilty to, so it went fairly quickly... One expert diagnosed him with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, alcoholic dependency, and psychotic disorder. However, he was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders for which he was tried. I have another guest appearance. I also have a guest appearance from another serial killer. Ooh, okay. When John Wayne Gacy was asked what he thought of Dahmer, oh. he said, and I quote, I don't know the man personally, but I'll tell you this. That's a good example as to why insanity doesn't belong in the courtroom. Because if Dahmer doesn't meet the requirements for insanity, I'd hate like hell to run into the guy that does. And John Wayne Gacy said that? The guy who was also so fucked yeah. up? I mean... So after his sentence, that's how you know he's I know. fucked. If, if another, another serial, serial killer, killer is like, like hey, sucks. you're fucked up. <laughs> like, God, okay. So after he was sentenced, he was granted 10 minutes in a private meeting with his father and stepmother where they exchanged hugs, they said goodbye, and Dahmer was escorted away. Three months later, he was extradited to Ohio to stand trial for the murder of Stephen Hicks. He also played pled guilty to this. He was given another life sentence. He gets sentenced in 1992. And he spends the first year of his sentence in solitary confinement. And then he gets released to, like, still a secure, but, like, less secure, like, a regular unit. And he's given, like, work detail. Okay. So at this point, he requests a Bible, and he becomes a born-again Christian. He starts attending church services at the prison. He gets baptized, etc. That shit pisses me off so much. Like, people who become, like, born-again Christians in prison after they like committed the most horrific of crimes Mm -hmm. and then they're like well the lord will take care of me and it's like my dude he's pretty pissed off that you did this yeah i mean i'm all for people finding faith afterwards particularly like me too but don't be like don't be like god will forgive me it's like me you still yeah like actually he's a little irritated that you did this and just because (laughs) god forgives you does not mean that he's going to excuse your sins. It doesn't excuse you from sitting in prison for the rest of your life to atone for yeah. your sins. Yeah. Also, you're still going to hell. <laughs> so, 
Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so in July 1994, so this is like two years after, but it's a year after he gets out of solitary confinement. He's sitting up in chapel after service when another inmate, last name's Durethi, um, attempted to slash his throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush, but Dahmer only receives like superficial wounds. However, he later tells his mom during a phone call that he didn't care what happened to him in prison and he accepted the punishment. So a few months later, that makes me feel a little better. (laughs) So a few months later, um, November 28th, 1994, Dahmer and two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver are escorted to the gym bathrooms to conduct their work detail, cleaning bathrooms. They were left unsupervised for approximately 20 minutes. And upon returning, the guards found both Dahmer and Jesse Anderson severely bludgeoned, lying on the floor in pain. Both were alive. And transported directly to the hospital. Dahmer died of his injuries an hour after arrival. Anderson died two two days later after hospital staff eventually took him off of life support. Upon hearing of her son's death, Dahmer's mother Joyce responded angrily to the media and said, Now is everybody happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everybody? Are you happy now? Yes. So this gets like a lot of public opinion uh like in the media i guess and for the most part people are like very happy that he's dead but some people do say that that wasn't the justice like he should have been sentenced to death he should have been like murdered by one of his victims like not necessarily like beaten to death but yeah but you know what i hope it was fucking painful i'm sure yeah after everything he put his people through so Christopher Scarver, who's the guy that killed him, he changes his version of events a lot over the years. So originally he said it was unplanned. He just went into this like schizophrenic rage and beat them. Later he said that he that they had provoked him by poking him in the back and laughing as it expands, like teasing him. Um, then okay, so Christopher Scarver is black. Both Dahmer and Anderson are white. Dahmer had killed, like murdered and abused. It was like some of his victims were black and then Anderson had tried to, he murdered his wife and tried to say that two black men broke into his home and killed her. So of, of course. course he does. Piece of shit. So then Scarver's like, you know, they deserved it because they're white, like crimes against black people, blah, blah, blah. And then later he yeah. says that he actually cornered Dahmer right before the attack with a newspaper of his crimes and demanded to know if they were true and then in 2020, he says he's going to write a tell-all book about it. So this man just likes to be in the media. So who really knows, like, what version of this story or events is actually true? Like, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Most likely, I feel like the initial version is the most accurate, but who really knows? Um, but he was given two additional life sentences for the murders, and he's still in prison today. So Dahmer had new, no funeral services. I mean, honestly. Do what? I was going to say, I mean, he saved taxpayers a lot of money. Okay. I hate that argument. And here's why. When you're like, (laughs) I don't like, like when people say the death penalty is rational because otherwise taxpayers are paying for like murderers to sit in prison on life sentences or whatever. Um, That's putting a price on somebody's life. And I'm not saying that they necessarily should, 
Also, that 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 part of the argument doesn't make sense because it's not like you get sentenced to death and then you're executed the next day. Like, like you're on death row for and it's incredible. Years. It's more expensive to house an inmate on death row than it is to house yes. them for life in like a regular prison. Also, that's putting a price tag on somebody's life. And I understand if they've committed a crime and been sentenced to death. If death is the justice for their crime, that's different than saying. It's too expensive, so let's just go ahead and kill them because it's cheaper. I see yeah. what you're saying. It's just putting a price tag. It just, it's not an argument that I'm a big fan of. So anyways, he's given two additional life sentences. He was already in prison for whatever. So he's still in prison today. So what was he in prison for originally? Murder. Do you know? Yeah. Oh. Murder and robbery. Okay. <laughs> just plain old yeah. murder. <laughs> I think he murdered his boss or something after wanting more money. Um, uh, wouldn't we all? <laughs> Who among us? <laughs> I saw a tweet today that was like, um, uh, landlords like your income should be three times your rent, and it's like, can you tell my boss that? Yeah, for real. Oh my god. So, in his will, Dahmer requested no funeral services. Um, he was cremated instead, and his ashes were split among his parents. The apartment complex that he lived at and committed the majority of his murders at was demolished and it is still vacant today. Um, They've made plans to turn it into like a memorial, into like a playground, into all different stuff and like nothing ever happens. They just, it's still vacant. Last I read at least. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1994, his father Lionel publishes a book about the ordeal and he donates a portion of the profits to the victim's families. But then two of the families turn around and sue him for using their names without permission. So he loses all the money from it to begin with. Um, his mom, Joyce, attempted suicide at least once after her son's death, but then she eventually died of cancer in 2000. And his younger brother, Mm. David, actually changed his name and is now living in anonymity somewhere out in the world. And that is the... I mean, I would too, Absolutely terrible story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Dismemberment really bothers me. It's really, and I kept like, every time I would read an article, they'd always be like, he dissected the body. I'm like, this is not seventh grade biology. Like, this is a human being, not like a frog or something. I don't like that term. Um, My sources were Wikipedia, Murderpedia, History.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, and CrimeMuseum.org. Damn. Isn't that such a bummer episode? Uh. You know what? I mean, I knew the story of Jeffrey Dahmer, but I had never, like, cannibalism really fascinates me, but dismembering someone just to dismember them. Yeah, it's like he did it as, like, a scientific, like, I almost, okay, so, obviously I hate that he, like, murdered these victims. For some reason, I just find it. I would rather him eat them, though. Okay, well, I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, obviously it's terrible that he murders them. I find it, I don't know why, and I I hope it's really not just me. I find it so unbelievably, like, rude when you, when you, you, like, desecrate (laughs) the bodies that way. Like, you tear them apart, like, when you abuse the body. Like, I just, it's so, like, disrespectful. I don't, I don't have a way to understand it. Like, it's rude that he killed them, but it's so rude that he didn't even have the respect to, like, take care of the bodies and i guess i can understand not that i understand it but i 
I can sort of see when you dismember a body because you're just trying to dispose of it. Like, you're like, I need to, I need smaller pieces to work with or it's easier to scatter or something like that. But, and I do think he did that with a lot of his victims, but he also just, it was like a scientific discovery for him to like, how do these parts fit into other parts? Like, ugh. Go get an anatomy Literally, degree. go like... Fucking find something useful with your or time. Or go be <laughs> like a coroner or something. And get paid yeah. to do it. I mean, don't be a creep about it, but like, you know, do it ethically. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I don't feel very good after yeah, that. Yeah, that was a pretty bad episode. <laughs> we did... Serial killers are fucked. I know. <laughs> And there's so many to choose from. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know who I'm surprised is not a more famous or, like, infamous serial killer is Israel Keys. I think... I think because they don't know the extent of it. (sighs) Because he's the truck driver, right? That story... I almost did that story, but... I don't know why I didn't. I... That story fascinates me too, but I think the whole reason that he's not more famous is because they literally don't know the extent of it. Yeah. Man. God, I don't even we know how to like end this a happier episode. way to end this show. <laughs> yeah, it's like we need, we need a happier. I just want to like happier way. Sit in silence. <laughs> Ugh. Damn. Follow us on Crime Spree Pod. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Tell us your favorite serial killers. Uh, please don't send us dismemberment yeah, shit, though. I I'm can't, not into I that. Keep that to yourself. That Actually, call your I'm local law enforcement. Maybe tell your therapist. Ugh. Go to therapy. What's a positive way to end um, this? It's almost summer, guys. Everybody get your AC set up if you don't have central air. Oh, I love having central AC now. I thought I was going to die last year or two years ago having just like my window unit i got sunburned you have sunburn i got sunburn this week yeah my chest is sunburned don't tell my mom Aww. sorry mom i get sunburned almost I every single time i go to the beach so it's so bad for you i got sunburned and i was wearing sunscreen that's literally my life like i'm so pale I there's always it. a spot on me that i just randomly miss with the sunscreen it's not on purpose i just miss it and it always just gets fried my chest is sunburned, but I was wearing, I was at like a barbecue this weekend mm-hmm. and I was wearing like a crossbody bag. So now I have a fucking stripe across. That's funny. Uh, everybody go walk your dog. Yeah. In broad or, daylight. Like, hang out like, with your pet. When you listen to this, like on your lunch break. Don't go out at night. Yeah. Don't go by yourself. Please, please Take don't go out spray. at night. Uh, everybody wear sunscreen. Hydrate. Especially if you're on the East Coast, we're getting a heat wave. God almighty. Yeah, I'm I was sorry trying to, think to of a ruin third everybody. Tip, I can't think of one. Wear sunscreen. Go to therapy. Don't walk at night. If you can afford it. Yeah. If not, call your mom maybe. Uh, if you like your mom. See how that works out. If you like your mom. Get a gym membership. Father's Day is coming up. If you like your dad, Father's Day is around. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> That's kind of all I got. 
We're gonna make we're gonna make a TikTok. I know I say this every fucking week. I'm going to Arizona, so I will make my younger siblings take TikTok. Oh, me. this is a bitter. First of all, let's film a TikTok or record one. Oh. <laughs> take a TikTok. <laughs> I'm a it's like I'm taking shots. Take, um, take my TikTok. <laughs> or okay, here's actually a better ending. What are your Memorial Day plans? Uh, I actually don't have any because I'm leaving on Wednesday to go to Arizona. Like next. How Wednesday. long will you be there for? Uh, I'm just going for a quick weekend. I just have some family stuff to take care right. of. Uh, I usually go home like once in the summer, anyway, and I just have some like family stuff that like lined up perfectly. So I'm leaving on the first. So I'm not doing anything for Memorial Day. I'm probably going to the beach on Monday. That'll be fun. How about you? Um, I don't have a ton of stuff planned. It's actually Rob and I's first anniversary is on Memorial Day that Sunday. Aww. But we don't really have anything planned. We were going to go to this really fancy dinner, but we're going to Key West like that next weekend with my family. So we're trying to decide if it's like worth yeah. it to go spend $150 on a meal. Just Maybe, food. you know what? Go to a nice butcher, get yourselves a nice steak. That's what I was thinking. We might just like cook it home on a and good, get like a nice bottle on a good of wine. Cut. Yeah. Get some candles or something I sexy. <laughs> Do something cute like that. Send us your anniversary ideas for budgeting. Yeah. Your budget anniversary ideas. Send us your Memorial Day plans. What stories you want us to cover? Because it sounds like your, we're gonna need to yeah, do send like, us your theme. back-to-back episodes here soon we're gonna need to start recording i have quickly. a really good theme i have a really good theme for Ooh, next week okay I'm tell me excited. just a minute i'm not gonna say it on the air yeah i was like we're not gonna say it on the air but i'm excited okay uh thanks for listening sorry to ruin yeah, your night sorry again this is such a bummer episode <laughs> we'll try to pick happier uh crimes uh, next week follow us on social media we'll see you next All week right. guys bye y'all bye